Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So Eric, clinching is actively happening right now in the playoffs for the MLB. Isn't the all-star break around the corner? <laughs> Feels like it should be. We're closing in on 60 games. It's almost time. <laughs> I know. It's it's wild. Uh, any races that you want to discuss? My team's out of it. Well, obviously, I mean, <laughs> obviously, I am thinking hard about what's going on with the Twins and whether I should... Well, whether I should be emotionally invested, that's a foolish question because, of course, I'm extremely emotionally invested. You need the, like, 2004 uh, style so that you could play. <laughs> Who would you be playing right now? You'd be the wild card. And we, you'd oh, in 2004? You'd pay, play Tampa. Yep. That would be, oh, my gosh. And 2004 would be dome, dome to dome. That would have been amazing. Although it would have been so dome much fun. Dome. See, I would have. That would have been great. See, that's the thing that I need. I don't actually like this. Are you gonna play the White Sox in the first round? No, I don't think we can. Oh, do they have it set so you can't play? I think that they have it set so you can't. It's very confusing. But the, I guess I I think that this is a prediction. So you I can think still play that the Rays. We're gonna look back. Uh, we would play the Yankees. I think if it ended right now, because we would be because the Twins would be the. F- <laughs> The twin slayers. I know, I know. Like, I th- yeah, the MLB tweeted out like, uh, "Here's who everyone would play if it ended, if the season ended today." And it was like Twins versus Yankees, and every Twins fan must have just been like, "We're dead. It's over." Well, I mean, if they want to have anything to make it the playoffs seem realistic and like usual, then you'd have the Yankees destroying the Twins. Twenty-first century way to uh, make sure that everything is the same is. Twins getting slaughtered by the Yankees. Yes, I do not like that. I, okay, prediction. I think we're going to look back after the end of the playoffs and everyone will collect, most people will collectively agree that this expanded format was dumb. I I would agree with that, except for uh, Manfred and owners who are like, we got to make money back next year with more playoff games. Uh, um sure all right two pop culture things i have not seen either of these i find this i find that extremely depressing but okay we'll just we'll just say it we'll just power through i'll do a brief description it's more the dates actually that i wanted to talk about so we got a james bond trailer too and more importantly a james bond date for no time to die at least for uk release and we got a date and a trailer for the mandalorian season two how good is how good is that well so Bond, we knew, was supposed to come out in April. Yep. And did not. Very um, much not. So it's kind of been on the... It's it's one of those pop culture things that has been on the back burner in my head. Like, okay, well, at least if everything comes, goes to crap, at some point we'll get another Bond movie. <laughs> I am surprised that The Mandalorian was far enough along 
that they can have a season two. It's. I'm wondering how much of this is his season one B roll. <laughs> the yeah, thing yeah, that they like exactly. cobble a story together. It's fine. I haven't seen season one Mandalorian, so it's it's been safe. I was actually going to tell you the other day, just let alone yesterday. I haven't been able to do a Star Wars like binge, just watch all of them in a week, you know. You gotta, you gotta watch the Mandalorian. You gotta clear your schedule for the Mandalorian. It's like there's, there's no more, no more beating around the bush. You, you gotta do it. It's time. Okay, fine. It's we'll good. It. It's I, a by October thirtieth. It is a good show. It is a good show. You will not, you will not be upset. You will be confused for parts of it, mostly how it fits <laughs> in the Star Wars universe, but you will not be upset. My other, my actual question to you on this though is, is, give me a percent chance that you would see Bond in a theater in November. Zero. I'm going to go with, I'm at like five. I really want to see it. I really don't want to go to a theater. (laughs) It's a 0% chance though. I mean, I was having a hard time going to movies in the theaters to start with. Yeah. And um, a global pandemic that is spread by people being close proximity. <laughs> like, did you see the news article today that was like, CDC says it is spread through respiratory. We've been going off that assumption for a while here that it was. I don't know. I, I haven't seen any stories about what happened with people seeing Tenet in theaters. Because that is that was like a like, you know, Tenants showing in theaters. Sorry, yeah, they it's just happening. They didn't. It was that was the big story. Was that it wasn't seen in nearly the numbers that they even the conservative estimates said would happen. I don't. I mean, I understand. Yeah, yes, I want to see Bond on a big screen, but I want to see it more than I want to like experience it in a theater. I I'm I'm really torn about what to what to do here. I mean, I guess guess we just wait yeah i mean i feel the same way about tenant to be fair i actually want to see that movie but there's no freaking way i'm going to a theater <laughs> it's just not gonna yeah. happen agreed all right let's talk about sloan abstract and our uh hopes and dreams <laughs> we actually executed on our game plan well you did well, I, I did not the game plan was executed. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. An abstract was submitted. And, and an abstract two were attempted. It looks like an abstract. Um, it has some question marks. It has, I think, zero exclamation points, which is a, a usually a goal for me. How many one sentence, one word sentences are there? A few. Because <laughs> there's, <laughs> because well, okay. So here's the thing, right? Sloan, <laughs> Sloan. I hope they don't listen to this. Sloan makes a big deal out of the fact that you have to actually have results in your abstract. They cannot be promised results. They have to be real and they have to be there. We do not have real results in place yet. So okay, wait, wait, wait. wait. So in in the event that anyone on the Sloan 
conference uh, evaluation committees listening to us. We do have results. We do have results that point to this. We presented them in a podcast. If you'd like to fish through our history, you can find it. We can discuss it. Do we have an actual paper that we have written or even the bare bones of it? No, we don't. Do we have a the hypothesis? Have we done enough work to show that we can um, disprove the null hypothesis? Yes. But do we have a paper? The way that they write is like, well, you've written the paper, so just write us the summary of that paper. And it's like, who who has just the paper lying around? It's like, oh, you know what? I'll submit this to Sloan. I know. No, I. you're absolutely right. Sorry. I should not be as glib. But the bottom line is that I had to had to kind of juice up what we had yes. right because oh yeah because it needs to it needs to the abstract needs to read like no here are the results in your hand and we just don't have that yet because we don't like you said we have no idea what the narrative structure of this paper looks like right exactly yeah like, we don't know what points we're going to try and make oh. <laughs> that's a hard part and and you have made a ultra specific uh but not specific um, <laughs> title to the You're paper. Welcome. <laughs> Fitting the um, the fantasy tools <laughs> that you always have to have a colon in a title. I a I thought I thought actually pretty hard about this because I've been I've been submitting a bunch of um, like proposal titles and talk titles to various things recently and. My default is 100% colon, like always have a colon in there. Um, and I'm really, I've been actually really trying hard to break myself of that. And I just couldn't for this one. <laughs> it's like, this needs a colon. This title, this title needs more. Well, that's the other thing. It's supposed, this is supposed to be the title of the paper. Like we're supposed to have the title of the paper. We're not supposed to change it in theory. I understand. I understand, which is why I wrote it as vague specific as possible. <laughs> Yeah. So it's it's consistency in uncertain times, colon. The differences between the 2020 and 2019 MLB seasons are not affecting pitches. I this whole first of all this whole abstract is an exercise in trolling the committee judges to get to let us submit a paper. This was kind of our yeah. lesson from last yeah, year frankly to me. Right. Is like at this stage, at the abstract stage, you just you need to give them exactly what they want. They just need to see, yep. like ex- exactly the parameters. Because we've tried, we've tried this both times, both other times we submitted papers. We submitted one straight down the middle, and one that was like, "This one's crazy, but it's going to be really cool." And both times, yep. the one that was like, "This one's crazy, but it's going to be cool," was rejected. <laughs> and the one that was like, "Meatballs straight down the middle," they took it. Right. No. Yeah. This is. Yeah. Yep. No, that's exactly right. This is the, um, what is it? Uh, bass really love shiny objects. Just, just cannot resist. This is, this is Jeff. This is the shiny object. We're fishing. Machine learning We're is, lure in, fishing is in the abstract. The, the words machine learning are in the abstract. Oh. So I guess, I mean, okay, a little bit more description of this. This is a technique that we birthed two years ago really this the the idea of of pitch fingerprinting this came out of an algorithm club that was particularly successful 
in my opinion. Yep. It was. Which is coming up with a f- and a fingerprinting algorithm for pitches to identify well in this abstract we're going to identify small changes in the pitches but we really wanted to actually come up with a a good classification system for pitches beyond the typical like this is a four seamer this is a slider and the nice thing about pca and we say this in abstract is that you can throw just anything at it and so I threw basically all of the StatCast data that you could get your hands on into this. All yeah. of the movement, the spin rate, the velocity, like where uh, where it went through the zone, like everything. And PCA will come up with, will will say, okay, well, here are the similarities between all the pitches. We'll just pull those out and let me highlight the differences for you. And that's what we yeah. wanted. And it works, actually. <laughs> right, it works. How are you able to... I'm not going to get into that right now, but yeah, it works pretty well in showing the how tight a different uh, a pitch is um, within data space, um, as in like how not repeat repeatable. Yeah, I think repeatable is right in in data space, which is really cool. So so some pitchers have really you can see the pitches, you can see the separation of the of the clusters in data space. Um, whereas some have a whole lot of slop, you know? So, okay, why use PCA? The reason to use PCA is because we can use it to act um, in a predictive way as well. And that's really the crux of what we're going to try and do here, which is train all of the pitchers on their 2019 data, train mm-hmm. the PCA on that, and then project forward the 2020 data and see what's different and what's the same about them and slice on uh, slice on things that are interesting to us, like small number statistics or home games versus away games um, or days of rest between pitching outings, like anything that you can expect to um, that you can expect that would be different about the 2020 season. We can test it in a predictive way. Right. And this is, yeah, you're saying predictive and we can't, we can't oversell ourselves. We're not predicting changes. What we're doing is that we're querying, as you're saying, slicing the data and then comparing it and saying, and then drawing conclusions, running, running wild with our conclusions, which we love to do, which is, which is exactly perfect for PCA because PCA is the brilliance of PCA is it is a, it is a data dimensional reduction technique. So what we're doing is we're taking, a really small thing, a pitch, and then, well, a thousand pitches, you know, whatever number of pitches, and then we are taking every single vector of data about that pitch, throwing it into PCA, and it comes back, and it's like, okay, here you are in data space. You know, this this data space doesn't mean anything to you. It doesn't really matter, but we have sorted, and we've brought everything together to be able to be say hey here's a forcing fastball is what it looks like in data space in two dimensions for you um which then makes it a lot easier to actually say i i have all of these different vectors represented here we are in data space so now what you're what we're able to do then as you said in the as the draft is like is look at is 2020 um affecting pitchers pitches you know is all the things about 2020 
or is that somehow um, changing the way that they pitch in our hypothesis? No. I think I think we're actually a little bit further than a hypothesis because we've we've done some cursory tests. And to me, well, actually, well, right. to me, actually, the interesting thing is like, can we tease out these differences? And this is what I was trying to allude to at the end of the abstract is, can we tease out these differences? And if we can't, what does that say about how many rules you can actually change in baseball before things, before you see an effect? Right. Right. Like if 2020 isn't different than 2019, what does that mean for the game of baseball? Like all of this is swamped by a randomness effect. Like, you could just change all of these. You could change so many things. Mm-hmm. Like have a 200-game season. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, I mean, have a 200-game season, play play seven innings, for instance. I mean, like, right. if you can't find a difference between the double-header games that are only seven innings this year and the regular nine-inning games, like, what does that mean for the game of baseball? That they don't have to have the number of games that they have. Or vice versa. Well, this is the thing: is anyone armed with that logic can can then say, "Well, actually, there's no reason to reduce the number of games because, you know, there are a lot of people that fight against there being 162 games because it's just a whole lot of banality." And a lot of people have point have tried to say, like, "Oh, yeah, the quality of the games goes down, the quality of the play goes down." But you know, traditionalists will be able to take what well, well, we do, I guess, and be able to say, "Hey." You know, actually, there's no appreciable difference if between the quality of the pitches and for these pitchers, they're ergo, you know, it's it's no different. They'll look at it the other direction. They'll look at 2019 as 2020 as the if 2020 is the model that people are trying to get to reduce the number of games, and 2019 actually is being tested. Right. I, I think, yeah, I kind of like... Sorry, Sorry I, a little circuitous. No, there. no, no, it, it really worked. I like this project, actually, for the for the wider implications for the game of baseball and, like, what you can change and what actually affects what you see in pitch quality. I mean, I think... I, yeah. I was happy to zero in on the in the abstract on the idea of pitch quality because that's where we have the most interesting data, frankly. So this is going to be... I think this is going to be an, this is going to be different paper that we're writing, in that we have written two papers so far that have been like here's a framework, and um, our the bent of this paper is you can use this framework to do more interesting stuff. And the opposite yeah. way, we're going to say like here is a technique to show a specific. Um, conclusion that we've drawn right which was what we talked about last week yeah like okay exactly. we've got to so focus this, this it. is good so that was that was the attempt here we'll see whether we're successful or not we're not supposed to hear till mid-october so you know let's just sit on our hands for a month i guess well but also i guess what i'm trying to point out is that it's not the the really cool statistical thing that we're doing isn't the aim of the paper the aim of the paper is mm. not mm-hmm. like we did this really cool thing let's talk about it the the actual aim of the paper is like uh is more like the way that we would write a history paper or something like that like here's our here's a hypothesis and i did all this research to show you my hypothesis and in, instead of research it's 
Well, it is research, I guess. <laughs> um, but here's a really cool tool that we uh, developed to sh prove our hypothesis in this one dimension, and then we're gonna run. We're gonna run with it. Make wild conclusions. It's great. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. All in all, it always ends in the same place. Wild conclusions. So it will still be yeah, a um, very fantasy toolsy paper, but we're trying to play the game. You know, this was. Just to repeat ourselves, trying to play the game. we're trying to play the game. We lost out on two different papers. We sort of think we might have zeroed in on what they're actually looking for. And we're just trying to give it to them. We're just trying to get in the door. I think that about brings us to the review session. Jeremy Jeffress. Amazingly, somebody who is still a closer at the end of the week that we're reviewing them on the team that we expected them to be on. <laughs> Well, that's why we had to. I think we had to reset with Devin Williams, who was never the closer. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> to kind of work against our jinx. I was thinking about this. Cause, what are you going to do, jinx? <laughs> I was thinking about this because you know Jeffers came out of the Brewers bullpen last year, so we're basically just we're basically just reviewing the Brewers bullpen and the the wider Brewers bullpen universe. I I, don't, I have no problem with. All that. right, Jeremy Jeffers. Uh, has only eight saves this year. He's only appeared in 20 games, 21.1 innings. <laughs> he has a 6.33K per nine, which is pretty different from what we had before. And get this, a 5.06 walks per nine. That's not, <laughs> that's, that's not where you want those ratios to be for your closer. I mean, he made it interesting. I didn't know that walkitis could be caught from someone else, oh. from Craig Kimbrell. <laughs> and he made it interesting over the, he made it interesting Friday. Uh, he had to work him uh, against the Twins, of course. He had to work himself out of a jam, which was to get a save, which was, he unfortunately did. But, you know, I guess fortunately for, for watching him. Notes on Jeremy Jeffress. Uh, <laughs> he really, really looks like he's working hard to get the ball to home. And I thought for sure, yes. I thought for sure we were going to see like, Oh, he's throwing like 97, 98. It's like, no, he's throwing 93, 94. You're like, where is all this effort going? Was my perception of watching him. I completely agree. He's <laughs> always been a player who you watch him and it's like, well, no one can question his effort. <laughs> wow. Is he really just putting everything into every pitch? It looks like it's, it, it's sort of, you know, you see some of these guys and they have like these, like you see a Kershaw and you watch it and watch his pitch and you're just like, wow, that I could never do that. You watch Jeremy Jeffers and you're like, that's just a much better version of what I probably look like in trying to get it, trying to throw 60 miles an hour. I, you know, I actually agree with that. I actually agree with that assessment. It, it's true. He's just, man, he's working hard. Uh, three pitch pitcher, fastballs, changeups, curves. Um, I didn't actually run the fingerprinter on them. I should have, but they're pretty. Oh, they're pretty different yeah. pitches. They're obviously pretty different pitches. Uh, he throws a lot of fastballs, which I kind of like. I mean, I, I I'm a sucker for things that I've learned about myself over watching 15 closers so far. I like the fastball hmm. closers. You need to be. You need to have a fastball. I mean, we we. Wasn't that PCA as well that you did? Yeah. A long time ago about the most effective uh, closers were ones that have a fastball. Um, yep. You kind of need a fastball. You kind of need to be able to have full control 
you can't have guys you can't be showing an umpire and batters a completely different junk pitch and expecting that it's every time going to work. I guess that's a really good um, point. That's a really good point about what you're showing the umpires. <laughs> like you want to, like the umpires are tired at the end of the game. Just get up there and throw fastballs that they can call. Yeah. I mean, can you just imagine, <laughs> but also you're coming after like probably middle reliever who just was throwing, who's a flamethrower um, who was throwing, you know, one, two different types of fastballs. And so he doesn't know the strike zone for like, if you bring in a curveball. I mean, the Drew Pomerantz just doesn't make sense in a way. Uh, his old Drew Pomerantz has a, has a closer because that curveball worked because you saw it from the beginning of the game. And, and, and all of a sudden it's like, where is the strike zone on this? <laughs> But Jeffers, so I just pulled up career stats. Mm. The season where he be, he came into our um, conscious was 2018. Yes. Where his strikeout ratio was very different. His strats in general looked very different. But anomalously different, right? I mean, if you look yes. at the rest of his season stats, 2018 is the one that oh, stands yeah. out. Like 2018 is the one that, that put him actually on the map. And he's just got to yes. he's got to coast out that 2018. <laughs> just right, get them checks written <laughs> based on that. Though his ERA is back to a respectable range. Jeffers is is a closer in the like he's always going to make it a little interesting mold, which is another you know a thing that I also generally appreciate about closers. I do like a lot of pitches. <laughs> I do like, like a lot. I, I, I love it when they get up to 30 pitches and you're like, are we going to finish this game here? Yeah. I, I do like that about, I do like closers where you're like, well, if he pitches today, he's not pitching tomorrow. So we got to space this out. Well, yeah. So, I mean, that, that bullpen has been a bit of a, mm. a bit of a quagmire. You got a couple of guys like that in that bullpen. Well, I mean, Kimbrell is supposedly the next up for saves, right? After Jeffress. He's <laughs> like, got a couple. Who's going to actually give Kimbrell the ball for saves intentionally? Uh, yeah. Not, uh, I, we'll, I wonder if he ever gets back. Kimbrell? Yeah. I wonder if he ever gets back to being elite. Uh, he's going to need, I think he's, he would need so many reps. I mean, it's just that time that, that he was out of baseball and then having again that time out of baseball this year is just really bad. Yeah, that wasn't. Yeah, anyway. that was not a good move. Anyway, Jeffress trying hard, probably going to be interesting for the next few years. Uh, I would guess that he's going to bounce between teams. I would, I would be pretty surprised if he ends up on the Cubs again next year. Well, it's, it's too bad for him. I don't think in any normal um, season that 2018 he would have ended up being the closer for the team. And he would then have down the road have been like, oh, well, at least he's closed games and would have been a trade asset in a lot of different places. But he didn't because there were other pitchers better than him in the bullpen that year. Yep. Um, and I'm thinking like Sergio Romo, who like keeps on getting passed around. And it's like, well, he was a closer. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then he gets a cup of coffee and it's like, oh, well, 
was a closer. Okay, right. Yeah, I. I mean, Which Jeffers isn't really going to have. He's sort of the closer this year, but I don't. There's an asterisk on this. It's huge. Yeah, I. I mean, I guess my point is like I think Jeffers is going to. I do think Jeffers is a Romo in the sense that he's going to bounce from team to team to team. Yep. On be decent, not great. Be decent, not great get some play because he's had experience in these situations. I mean, he only has, he doesn't even have, does he have 50 career saves? Yeah. He's got just over 50 career saves, 52. I mean, and he's, he's been in the league since 2010. (laughs) Yeah. He was a first round pick for the Brewers. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the Brewers obviously, believe in him an incredible amount because he's been on their team three times <laughs> well they and they got the year they got the year out of them that they, they did that they did that they did all right who should we talk about next week i am actually prepared this time oh boy rysel iglesias i knew it i don't know i felt it felt that coming let's do it because we were in that division let's do it Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages on fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Good, good exhale.